Hi, this is Melinda Emerson, the Small Biz Lady, host of the Small Biz Chat Podcast. I want to serve you. This pandemic has been so hard on America's small businesses and on just America in general. If you're ready to start your dream business, boy, do I have a great offer for you. I am giving away 1,000 copies of my best-selling book, Become Your Own Boss in 12 Months. Over 100,000 people have this book. It has been printed in multiple languages around the world, and I wanted to find a way to serve America's small businesses in this pandemic. And so I am giving away a thousand copies of my book. All you have to do to get your copy is head over to beginmybiz.com slash free offer to, you know, sign up for your copy. All you have to do is pay shipping and we will mail one out to you. I am so excited about this. I want to serve you. Grab your copy today. Ending small business failure. Welcome to the Small Biz Chat Podcast with the number one small business expert, Melinda Emerson. Melinda's goal is to end small business failure, and she'll give you the information you need to succeed and live the life you dream of. Now, here's the small biz lady herself, Melinda Emerson. Hi, everybody. I'm Melinda Emerson, the small biz lady, America's number one small business expert, and I want to welcome you to Small Biz Chat now, the Small Biz Chat podcast is a peer-to-peer interview show that gives small business owners a way to get invaluable business insights. Now, the goal of Small Biz Chat is to end small business failure, and we want to give our small business audience an opportunity to hear sage advice from multiple angles. With that, let me introduce my guest, Suzanne Moraga. She is a CPA and certified Profit First Professional, and she's the author of the new book, Profit First for Minority Business Enterprises. She has 20 plus years experience helping clients achieve long-term financial stability by leveraging tax strategies. For more information on her, you can go to moragacpa.com. She's going to be talking to me tonight about Profit First and just strategies in general to tighten up the finances in your business. Suzanne, welcome. Hi, Melinda. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here today. Oh, I'm so excited to have you. So now let's jump into it. Tell me, as a CPA, what are the biggest mistakes that entrepreneurs tend to make with their finances? They say statistically only 4% of companies ever reach a million dollars, right? So there's a lot of mistakes that happens in the small business world. And I think one of the biggest mistakes that happens in small business is we start these businesses and we do what we love, right? We do what we love and we do it well, but we never figure out, we never sit down and think, what, what do I want? What do I want my business produce? What kind of life do I want to live? And what is my end goal in my business? And so what happens is literally what happens is our business just produces random results, right? You know, we're, we're doing what we love, but we never <laughs> ever figure out exactly how to get there. But strategically, if you think about where you want to end up, where you want, how much do you want to actually make? What's your exit strategy, right? You can start to really design what your end goal is. So that's like one of the biggest mistakes that I, that I see is just people just not thinking about what, what does winning really look like at the end of the day? And then algebraically, how do I get there? Boy, when you said that businesses produce random results, you you said a whole mouthful right there. It's like, if you don't know where you're going, any road will take you there, right? I mean, it's the same same thing in a business. And I also think, I think people's fear of math is the reason why they kind of like don't know. It was like they had that bad math teacher in middle school and it's like, ah, I don't want to look at the numbers. It's like, but you got to look at the numbers, right? Because if you're not making any money, that doesn't make much sense, right? So 
I mean, now the thing that I wanted to ask you about, though, particularly given your book, so you decided to write Profit First for the Minority Business Enterprise. And so I want to talk to you about whether or not you think people of color struggle differently in this area, or if you think it's universal, there's a whole bunch of clueless people out here producing random results. Like, they, help me understand why you wanted to address this audience in particular. You know, Melinda, that is an excellent question because, you know, just like you said, you know, there are universal issues that entrepreneurs run into in general, right? We don't know what we don't know, right? And, you know, whether that's how to market our business, how to do our accounting, we just don't know, right? That's universal. But I think what we have to peel it back that layer is when you look at companies as a whole, no matter what their race demographic is or background demographic, Minority businesses tend to struggle more, right? They are they tend to be smaller. They tend to to not make it to that larger size, and there's there's a lot of reason that that happens with that. One is a lot of us were Gen One, right? We're Gen One to really start businesses. We're not passed down that knowledge of the how tos, and so we're figuring things out, right, as we go along. Which sometimes is is something that maybe a majority a non minority business might not deal with, right? Because you know maybe they've inherited a business before and that's been passed down. I think also too, there's something called trauma DNA that happens, right? And what that means is, Melinda, you're a woman of color like myself, right? Mm -hmm. We are the stories that we are told. You know, we're the stories that our mama told us, our stories that our grandfather told us, right? And I looked at my own generation. I was like, you know, I'm like three generations removed from slavery. And literally my grandfather was a sharecropper. You know, my mother, her family moved up from the great migration. And literally we grew up with those stereotypes, right? You know, my, my grandfather worked the plantation that used to enslave our family at, at one point. And so literally just being able to navigate rooms, especially as you grow in your career, as you expand outside of your territory, right? Outside of your, the people that look like you, the neighborhood that happens there, you know, we have to talk to people that don't look like us, right? And so there's stories that we've been told. You know, I, I remember my mom telling us as I was growing up, you, know, you can't trust white people. You gotta be careful, you know, things like that. And we have to like, we have to overcome those stories that we're told. Another thing is what I find just even with, my clients that I have seen is there's a guilt for having made it right in, in our communities. And, and so we want, we feel like we've just been blessed. We've been lucky. Right. And so we want to give back to our communities and sometimes we want to give back, but sometimes it doesn't necessarily fit the best fit for the company. If that makes sense. You know mm -hmm, what I mean? Like mm -hmm. I always tell the story of when I was, when I was starting my company, you know, my brother, my younger brother, brilliant guy, but he graduated during the wrong time <laughs> during a recession. And I remember every time my family would call me, it was to check up on the status of my brother's application. And it was challenging because, you know, maybe my brother didn't really want to be in accounting, but I ended up hiring him and it ended up being the worst thing because I ended up like prohibiting him from really expanding into what reach he wanted to reach into. So really just, you know, being able to like balance that loyalty to family, to community, with also growing our business. So uh, overcoming that survivor guilt. Mm -hmm. You know, it's really interesting because I think that from the very beginning of my brand as the small biz lady, I probability, all of that is true. So one of the things that you know, I just think sometimes we have to be careful because I definitely think there are people who wear their minority status, if you will, as a crutch. And I think there are other people that wear their minority status as victimhood. And then there are some people that are getting paid based upon marketing while Black, be, being a celebrity, being Black, you know, all this kind of stuff. So 
I just kind of like try to be excellent. <laughs> like that's like my goal, like be excellent. And it seems to be working universally. But now I'm very familiar with Mike McAllowitz's book, Profit First. And so your book is an offshoot of his, right? Like, so you're one of his people and you decided, oh, I know what I'm going to do. I've got a CPA. I'm going to write, you know, another version of this book. I mean, tell us how that all came about. You know, Profit First is an amazing book. I love Mike McHallett's book. I'm like, oh, probably one of the biggest fans of his book. And, and our book does cover the foundation part of Profit First because when I sat down to write this book a couple of years ago, I kept like stealing his nuggets and putting that in there in the book, you know? And so I was like, this needs to be on the Profit First brand. But what it does differently is it expands on that more from a minority standpoint. So one of the things that we have to start with is defining what is a minority business enterprise. And, and what minority business enterprise is, is first of all, it's a certification, right? It's a certification of either the National Minority Supplier Development Council is bestowing this upon you. Sometimes the cities bestow this upon you or your counties. But what it means is that you're 51% owned by a person of color. There's certain ethnicities that qualify for that. And one of the things that when you're going through certification is, you know, there's government contracts, right? There, there's, there's RPs, you know, if you get certified by the National Minority Supply Rent Development Council, there's opportunities to work in the corporate under their contracts, like your Coca-Colas or your Exxons or your Chevrons down here in the Houston area. And so we talk about government contracting. You know, a lot of times when people think about government contracting, they're like, oh my gosh, I want this. It's a million dollar contract. There has to be something left over for me in a million dollar contract, right? And We're going to talk about that a little later, about, about misnomers, about million dollar contracts, but de definitely. <laughs> exactly. And what we find is, you know, when there's an RFP process or request for proposal and you have a bidding, right? A bidding war, what happens is you have this force, this downward pressure to decrease prices, right? So it ends up being this, this race towards the bottom, right? And so why everybody that may not be familiar with that and familiar with that, you have to really be careful, first of all, about what, what contracts you even bid for, right? Because not all money is good money, right? If you're not making the margins, you're not making the profit. And so it's better to walk away from some of those contracts. And we talk about in the book about sole source contracts and contracts that actually are better. We also talk about tax strategy, right? We talk about the tax strategy to increase your wealth without increasing your expenses. Like any accountant can tell you, go out and buy that, that truck for $50,000, get that section 179 deduction at $25,000. But at the end of the day, if you're buying a $50,000 truck to save 10,000 taxes, what kind of sense does that make, right? And so what we're gonna talk about in the book is like, maybe what we're gonna do is we're gonna look at your goals, right? What are your overall goals? You wanna increase longevity because you increase longevity, you're gonna increase profits, right? And so maybe we're gonna do this to a 401k that has a very harsh vesting period, meaning that your employee has to be with you for six years to fully vest, right? And if they say so long, I'm out of here, you know, because somebody offered me a dollar more, they're not vested. That goes back into the owner's coffer, right? And so we're going to talk about tax strategy of how to build your wealth and also get your, your goals ultimately with that. It also talks about mindset, right? Because we talked about, yeah, we deal with some of the same problems that other people deal with, right? But at the same time, we have to overcome mindset. We have to overcome those stories that we've been told, those stories that are in our mind in order to make it to the next level. Definitely, definitely. So let's talk a little bit about quickly about the profit first system. If I want to implement, like, can you talk just a little bit about what it is? And if someone wanted to get started with it, and they're not using it now, how might they get started implementing it? 
I love Profit Purse. It really works with your natural biological and psychological makeup, right? Versus the traditional accounting where you have revenue minus expenses equals profit. And I, I always equate it to like dieting, right? And when you go on a diet, the first thing they tell you is eat less food, right? And you do this by eating using smaller plates. And that's exactly what Profit Perks is going to do. It's going to create small plates for you. And it's going to do that through the means of bank accounts, right? And you're going to have a bank account that really is almost like budgeting, right? It's, it's set up for a budget. It's set up like, how much am I going to spend for my operating expenses, right? How much am I going to put away for profit immediately? How much am I going to put away for my taxes? And of course, you know, I got to pay myself. So I got to have owners pay, right? So I don't go home and my husband's like, hey, what did we work today? So, you know, we want to set up those bank accounts for that. And so what's happening is the money that's put into this operating account, right? That's distributed to this operating account. That's all you have left. That's all you have left to spend. On, on your business. You know, you can invest in expensive office space right in the middle of downtown if you want, but that means you're going to have less money to employ people, right? And every decision that you make, is going to have a consequence. So we really work with your natural design in order to increase your profitability. And, and really, because you're putting away profit, it's just physics, right? You put away money for profit, you're going to be profitable, right? And, that's, <laughs> and, and I love that. And that's exactly how profit first works. I love it. I love it. All right. So let's switch gears just a little bit. You talked about how important it is to pay yourself. Now, this is something that I think a lot of business owners struggle with. You know, when times get tight, they skip a check and you can only do that for so long before your spouse is up in your face like, hey, like what is going on? Right. So talk a little bit about not only about paying yourself, but what is the right mechanism to do so? Because I think a lot of people got caught in this PPP loan stuff. Well, you know, people taking draws and stuff and not having paperwork, not having a 941 from a payroll company to prove what you had been paying yourself. And so I kind of wanted to just talk about the cases and how you can pay yourself in a business. You know, you're absolutely right. You know, it says it worked if you were a sole proprietorship or, or just an LLC. But if you were an S corporate and didn't have payroll, you were out of luck when it came to getting a PPP loan. So you're absolutely right about that, Melinda. Really as an owner, you owe it to yourself to pay yourself, right? You, you owe it to yourself. You get up every day, you owe it to your family, you owe it to your team to pay yourself. And personally, I look at it from my own personal situation. You know, when I first started Profit First, actually right before I started Profit First, what made me go to Profit First was I wasn't paying myself. I was paying my employees first and whatever was left over, that's what I took for me. And that's what made me a diehard convert when it came to Profit First. And it was interesting because I was working so hard because, you know, I was competing with those government contracts. I was lowballing the prices like everybody else, right? And what was happening was I couldn't hire anybody, right? I couldn't hire anybody because nobody would work for free, but me. And I remember one day, you know, I was sitting at my desk. It was a Saturday. I was, it was like right before April 15th. And you know, as an accountant, you don't play around April 15th. And the back went out. It was like snap. It went out. And I ended up that week on bed and I was on muscle relaxation. I was like, man, I wish I had money to hire somebody. And if I had been paying myself, if I had been paying myself all along, I could have taken my pay and hired somebody to do the work. So that's first of all, realizing it's important to pay yourself because not just for yourself and your family, because they deserve to be paid because they've, they've sacrificed you, right? They've lost time with you to do this business, but also to be able to pay somebody else in the case that you have to step out, it's important. So definitely putting that money aside from owner's pay, you know, from your collections, that percentage is extremely important to do that. Awesome. Awesome. Well, listen, we're going to go to break. And when we come back, we are going to talk more about how to get your finances straight in your small business. I'm Melinda Emerson, the small biz lady, and we will be right back. 
always ask me, how can I become my own boss? With multiple features in the New York Times, Forbes, and on ABC News as America's number one small business expert, I know a thing or two about how to do it. Hi, I'm Melinda Emerson, Small Biz Lady, and I've been coaching small business owners since 2008. That's right, I've been helping small business owners plan for success since the last recession, and I'm still here reaching over 3 million small business owners a week online. I've spent the last 12 years compiling exactly what I did to become my own boss. I even broke it down into a six-step system in my best-selling book, Become Your Own Boss in 12 Months. Over 100,000 people in multiple languages around the world have this book. And due to the pandemic, I know people need help. If you're ready to transition successfully from being an employee into your own business, I'm here to help. I'm giving away 1,000 copies of Become Your Own Boss in 12 Months for free. All you need to do is pay for shipping. That's right, I'm giving away 1,000 copies for free. If you've always wanted to start your dream business, let me give you a roadmap to success. This offer will only be available while supplies last, and when they're gone, they're gone. Click on the button to grab your copy today. Welcome back to Small Biz Chat Live. I'm back with my guest, CPA Suzanne Moraga. She is talking to us about how to boost your financial management in your small business. All right, Suzanne, let's talk about it. How important is it to have a good billing strategy in your business? It is extremely important to have a good billing strategy. And to the point that you can actually collect upfront or put automated payment plans in place, you know, and, and there's some great ones now, you know, Stripe will do that. QuickBooks will do that where you can put your, your customers on auto pay. So you don't have to chase them and collect them. Those are great. You know, for the, the guys that are in construction, you know, make sure you're doing your progress billings too. You know, don't wait until the end to collect, you know, have those time points where you're collecting. It's also very important, but definitely you want to have a strong billing strategy where you're not chasing up front, you know, make sure you're getting those retainers up front so that that you're at the end of the day, you're you're at least covering your costs. And then by the time you hit that final point where you're you're ready to close that bill, you know, it's all profit at that point. Right, right. Now, one of the things I've experienced with some of the businesses that I coach is as the EIDL loans or the emergency industry disaster loans came around. People qualified for loans and they were scared to sign to take the loans. Now, can you talk about this? You have any clients that kind of came to you like, well, I qualified for the $60,000 loan. I just, I don't know if I, and I'm like, you'll never in your life get money cheaper than you can get it right now. Please sign, sign quickly, <laughs> get the paperwork back. But I, but I was wondering if you experienced that with any of your clients, like being concerned about the EIDL loans. Right. And it really depends on what you can handle personally, right, too, because some people don't handle debt very well personally. And then something else just came out with the EIDL, Melinda, that you you probably know about. They just allow you now to get a half a million dollars. Now, yeah, personally guarantee that, but you can get a $500,000 EIDL loan potentially if you go through underwriting, which can be scary for some people, too, especially yeah. if you're personally guaranteeing that. You're right. The interest rates were extremely low on EIDL. And plus, there was the grant portion, too, that you got a grant portion of the EIDL 
Ideal that you never have to pay back. It ended up being a thousand dollars employees. I think it started out as ten thousand dollars with it, and it was great to have that as a cushion if you you know needed it. And worst comes to shove, you don't use it, right? You don't use it. You don't need it for those operating expenses. Then you just take it and pay it back, right? So so it's again, it's personally you know making sure that you can manage that debt. I think is the key with it, mm-hmm. and it's a low risk. Well, I I think it's fifteen to thirty years to pay back a loan. Do it, do it, do it. But also make sure you know how you return every dollar you borrow into three dollars. That that's the other thing I would say. Now, talk to me about. I know that because of the pandemic and some of the legislation and things that have come out, that there are some tax advantages that everybody might not be aware of. So maybe even for the people that didn't necessarily qualify for PPP or didn't get any, they kind of been taking care of people on the back end with some of the the tax stuff. And I was wondering if you could just quickly explain to us some of the payroll tax that people are really benefiting from right now. Yeah, let's talk about some of my favorite tax things that are happening with the PPP loan. First of all, it's changing every single day. So when I say today, it might be different completely tomorrow. So just be aware of that. That's one of the things that we found. One of the things that we're super excited about, and you guys may have heard about that, with the PPP loan, when it is forgiven, right? And this is loan one and loan two, it is a non-taxable event. And I'm telling you, this has been one of the biggest wealth transfers in America. Like I've seen people get $300,000 PPP loans completely forgiven and being a tax-free. So that that PPP loan is a tax-free loan once it's forgiven. Also the grant portion of the EIDL loan, when that is not taxable income too. So that's a tax-free transaction for you, which is really good. One of the other things that's really great about it too is if 2020 was a hard year, right? Let's say you had to pivot online, you were previously brick and mortar, you had, you suffered a loss in your business. And, and and you guys know, if you had a 25% decrease in revenue in any particular quarter, you got the second PPP low. But if you also experienced a loss, what happened was after tax cuts and job acts that, that went, came through a few years ago, you had to carry those losses forward, right? But now you can actually carry them backwards. And when you carry them backwards, you can actually get a refund for the last five years. So if anybody has had a loss, definitely take a look at getting those returns amended in order to get a, a refund to get you some extra cash in your pocket because of those losses that you may have incurred. The other thing that that happened to recently in December, we had a, a few good tax tax things that happened is meals. Meals are normally 50% deductible. They were 100% deductible because they want to give restaurants money, right? So <laughs> now your meals are 100% deductible. So if you're, you know, taking your office team out to lunch or you're training a client, you know, those meals are 100% deductible. So definitely take advantage of that. And then also for those that are, that give to charity, right? Whether you tithe or or you just give to charity, just period, right? You know, you used to have to just itemize in order to get those charitable deductions. Well, now for 2020, if you don't itemize, you can still take a 300 deduction on your 1040 for charitable deductions. And, and if you're married filing jointly in 2021, you can get $600. So those are some of my favorite tax things that are happening because of the PPP loan. Awesome. Awesome. One of the other ones I know, though, is that if you are paid payroll tax in 2020 and payroll tax in 2021, I believe for 2020, 50% of the employer payroll taxes you paid is 50% deductible. And in 2021, I believe it's 70 percent deductible. So if those of you that have employees been paying payroll taxes, there is some more money out here for you. So make sure you talk to your accountant about all this stuff before you file so you can get everything back. 
And last word, if you're trouble, if you're having trouble saving for your quarterly taxes, is it better to just pay them monthly so that you don't get behind? You know what? This is where I love Profit First. <laughs> One of the things in Profit First is that you have to have a tax account, right? We put 15% of your revenue into a tax account. So nobody has a reason to not pay taxes or have enough for taxes unless you're in California. Now, California, I say that's communist, totally different situation there. But, you know, if you're putting like 15% of your top line revenue into taxes, you're going to have enough money to go tax scout. If you, if you don't, then we need to have a different conversation. We, re- we need to read the book to get that implemented. Another thing is if you're an S corporation, which a lot of businesses are S corporations, right? You're going to pay taxes as you go, right? So as you have officer payroll, just like as Melinda said, right? You're going to be paying those taxes as you go. So you're going to be better off that way. And so you're not going to owe as much at the end of the quarter. And plus you're going to be implementing profit first. So you're going to have a reserve set aside for it. Good stuff. Good stuff. Well, Suzanne, thank you so much. Don't go away. We're going to bring you back, but we really appreciate this great insight. Suzanne, what is your favorite podcast? You know, lately it's been Small Biz Chat. <laughs> I've been vegging out on that one. <laughs> well, I appreciate it's that. I appreciate that. Teacher's pet. Okay. All right. And Suzanne, what's your favorite business app? QuickBooks. <laughs> <laughs> I should have known that, right? Well, What would a CPA say, but QuickBooks? All right, fair enough. All right, Suzanne, what's your favorite old school marketing tip? Network, get to know people. All right, networking definitely still works. Online and offline still works. And last question, best business book you've ever read. Suzanne, what is it? Hands down, profit first. (laughs) (laughs) Somehow somehow I'm clairvoyant. (laughs) I knew you were going to say that. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much for being here If you want more information about how to start and grow a successful small business, head on over to my blog, succeedisyourownboss.com to get more information. And we always say here at Small Biz Chat, our mission is to end small business failure. But I leave you with this. You never lose in business. Either you win or you learn. God bless everybody. Good night. Thank you for listening to the Small Biz Chat podcast with Melinda Emerson. For more resources and small business success strategies, visit succeedasyourownboss.com. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and join us next Wednesday.